You should play more. <laughs> I assume he comes back to life at some point, because why not? But We've bored XV to death. Okay, it would help if I hit the start recording button rather than the start streaming button because there's no streaming configured. And that's not going to do anything. Except make it make angry noises at me. But you know what else also makes angry noises at me? Me. Me. And that one episode of Star Trek. Alright. Yeah, we're, we're doing that again. So, um... It's still happening. Yeah, what is this, our fifth episode now? Since the return, our fifth episode of uh, that one episode of Star Trek, Phase Two. We would be a Phase Two, wouldn't we? And somehow, though, we didn't get canceled before we went into production, and you know, had three of our episodes repurposed into uh, a later spinoff to be named. Can't wait for that one episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Well, you had that last week, Ken, and the week no, before I just that. No, I mean that. I mean at that point, none of us will be here. Oh. <laughs> no, it'll be. We have to go through the movies first. So yeah, I was going to say, you realize to get to that point that we have to have that one episode of Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, no. <laughs> because that's why. That one that's episode of Star Trek, the Wrath of Scott. See, like, you saying that makes me kind of want to actually do that for real. Do Wrath of Khan and have Scott on and call it the Wrath of Scott. But <laughs> I also don't want to do that for several reasons. Also, I recall now, the last time we talked about Wrath of Khan, we said we'd have to bring Ken back and call it the Wrath of Ken. <laughs> but I'm already here! Yeah, I don't know how we're gonna, I don't know how we're gonna really, um... Oh, simple. We'll just do Into Darkness. <sighs> I mean, I half wanted to shit on that movie for a while. Oh, but Ken, you shit on so many things all the time. Yeah, but this would be intentional. Uh. I know what I said. Yeah, I I knew you knew what you said. I was just starting to wonder if you knew what I was saying when I said what I said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bowel syndrome. Um, speaking of which, uh, this week we're watching the Deep Space Nine episode, The Muse. Speaking of irritable bowel syndromes? I don't know. It just Was it musing? Like it, it just seemed like a trend transition point um <laughs> a transition point it's very oh, trendy no. oh this is going badly already well you record oh yeah it's, it's recording unfortunately um <laughs> it, it's taken us to the start of the fifth episode but i am uh, back to you having regrets about doing this yeah mickey you picked this episode and i'm just wondering why because there's pregnancy in it, and we're that's, doing a whole pregnancy thing. That's true. That's that's true. Uh, our our listeners can look forward to um, nine straight months of pregnancy-related episodes. Oh. Well, after we get done with the pregnancy episodes, then we go to the child-focused episodes. We got several we start, of those. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna start off with the one from season one of Next Generation, where the kids get kidnapped and Wesley has to lead the daring escape. Okay, and then after that, we're gonna do the one from season four. I want to say where the uh, character we've never seen before has a little girl who doesn't like living on the Enterprise and makes an imaginary friend who's actually 
some kind of energy alien that wants to kill everybody. And then we'll do the episode where uh, Hob from Robocop 2's parents get murdered. Right, right. Killed. Yep. Um, we can probably find, oh. like, a season one episode. Oh, yeah, we'll do the season one episode with uh, Jake and Nog and the, like, 15-year-old Bajoran uh, leader girl. Yeah. We can do the one where uh, they find that human kid who thinks he's an alien. Human kid who thinks he's an alien. Uh, it's next generation. Um, Hero like, worship, the one where he wants to be Data. Um, yes. Which is completely different from what you were saying, but that's fine. The um, fact y'all can name all these off the top of your heads. There's also a whole range of Voyager episodes that would fit this criteria oh, yeah, between Naomi and the Borg children. Oh, God, the Borg children. Yes, we're going to cover that train wreck. <laughs> And that there you have next year's worth of content. <laughs> I really don't like where this is going. <laughs> and yet you keep piling onto it. Yeah, I know. I I, I like we've made Toast even worse. <laughs> Ken, you may not know this about me, but I have a lot of self hatred. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I never noticed this. Oh. <sighs> Oh. This is news to me. You can't hate someone else unless you hate yourself first. Yeah, you have oh, to try to me, hate I'm yourself well before you can give that hate to others. Oh, I know. That's, that's just like basic emotional health right there. Speaking of basic emotional health, Mickey, why don't you tell us about the muse? <laughs> okay, well, it starts out with uh, Jake uh, being a, a creep on the promenade. Uh, it's a public space. It's fine. Uh, just cataloging everyone comes in and making up stories about how their lives are embarrassing train wrecks. Did he uh, make up a story about the Packlids? He did not. Uh, and he did actually make up a story about the, the Bolian wearing a, a toupee. That actually happened. So Yeah, no, that was 100% true. No, I mean, like, in terms of them trying to develop this whole Jake wants to be a writer thing, I can appreciate this in terms of, like, showing that he's actually working through that process and you know, figuring out how to, like, come up with character ideas. You know, he's he's looking in his environment for prompts to actually, like, get him started on some project. Yeah, from a concept, I don't mind this, uh, of exploring him pursuing his career goal of not being in Starfleet. I mean, it's, we never got anything like this with Wesley, to go back to the comparison we made with the last Deep Space Nine episode we watched. Well, yeah, they... Um, Jake also had a lot more time to grow overall <laughs> yeah no it was yeah it was a lot better but we're and rehashing. he wasn't well eaten too so that helped <laughs> <laughs> i and think i, I think well could have been fine in that time period if you know they had directed him to act a different character basically like i think the problem more just was the character that he was portraying not necessarily the person himself on the uh, other the hand, he was also like 15, which means he was automatically a piece of shit. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, but column Jake was column the same age, more or less, probably less. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think he started out younger. So, yeah. Regardless, Jake is a better character. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not in question. <laughs> they never felt the need to write him off the show. But you know who's an even better character than Jake? Um, Derek. Bloxana Troy. Oh. That radiant creature herself. I'm disappointed that they did not connect these two plots by having Jake come up with a story about her as she came through the airlock. 
Yes, but that will require the stories to have any connections whatsoever. Ah, uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm just making conversation. <laughs> so, Odo heads to his security office and finds Wagzana there, surprised, surprisingly. Because uh, he's surprised by the surprising turn of events of her being in his office. You should be a writer, you know? I should. I should welcome people on the promenade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to make that joke if you didn't, so thank you. But there's even more surprises, because she's all knocked up. Yeah, so one thing I've been trying to puzzle out over the years of watching this, and I'm sure there's probably actually some documentation on this, is how old she's supposed to be in continuity at this point, and like, just... Boy, medical science in the 24th century is uh, pretty amazing. Well, also, you know, she's an alien. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. You, you can't... You, you... That's something that's very easy for, to forget Forget with the toys at times, I find, just in w watching casually. Like, oh, yeah, right. Well, yeah, right. And, uh, well, especially <laughs> with Deanna, like, halfway through Next Generation, they kind of stopped making much reference to her not just being human. Yeah. Which seemed weird, but I guess they kind of ran out of steam with, like, you know, motivating the plot with her being empathic. They never forgot she was empathic, but they just kind of stopped, like, caring she was an alien. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I mean, Luxon is an alien, so the math is a little bit different. But also, she canonically went through menopause like eight years earlier. <laughs> That's why it's miracle. Yeah. All it took was that alien seed. Yeah. Maybe just... that was maybe that was the missing element. Maybe maybe that like got her gears turning again. Yeah. Space seed is very potent. Just look at Khan. Hmm. <laughs> waiting for that. It just turned the lights back up on in her ovaries and <laughs> factories are running, smoke's pouring out the smokestack. There'll be a new car on the lot here in, in a few short weeks. Where was I going with this? Okay, yeah, so she got married again to the greatest <laughs> guy in the world, but surprise, oh, he's actually an asshole. A big asshole. <sighs> So, this alien culture that this guy's from, uh, the men raise the boys, the women raise the girls, and that's it. Until they're 16, and then they, they don't even know the other gender. Then they exist. learn there's another sex. Yes. So, I'm guessing ages like 13 to 15 are very confusing for them. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe age 16 is where they start to, like, you know, physically mature and develop their secondary sexual characteristics. So it doesn't matter up until that point. Could be, Still, yes. Unless you get, unless you get, you know, like a, a, a particularly precocious child who's just like, how do we reproduce? We don't. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> We'd want more of you. <laughs> well, son, okay. when you turn 19, we cut off a finger and another you grows out of it. <laughs> So, her husband wants the boy she's carrying, and she don't want to give it up. Yeah. But the husband's like, no, you belong to me because you're my wife, and therefore your child belongs to me. <sighs> this must have been a quick courtship. Yeah. Now, when would Luxana ever do something impulsive without considering all the consequences? Yeah, it's like that time that she was uh, getting ready to uh, marry her uh, Tinder match that she had never met before. <laughs> Was that the one who's going to commit suicide at 40? No, and that was 50. Um, 
No, I think that was the year after. So she got over him real quick and, you know, went back on Space Tinder and found somebody else. That was an Alexander episode, which is why you don't remember it. Yeah, all I remember is the, the, the shriek of metal in my ears <laughs> from stabbing it with a knife over and over again. <laughs> okay, so take the Alexander episodes off the schedule. Got it. So, Mrs. Troy has come to Odo for protection so she can steal this baby from her husband, where it legally belongs to him. So, surely the constable will help her break the law. Oh, of course! It's not his law. You know, that's fair. And I was like, uh, sure, let me call you a cab. (laughs) Is Uber Uber Black okay? And of course, no, she wants to stay here in the station. Well, her logic is that her husband, the first place he would look for her to run to is her homeworld, where Odo's trying to, you know, dump her off. Unfortunately, this whole, like, you know, stay somewhere out of sight thing doesn't really help for very long, as it turns out. Yeah, no, no. Because he probably just, like, looked to where she booked a flight. I mean, that's entirely possible, yeah. There also might be a tracking device in one of her wigs. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? I mean, well, who, who here has not low-jacked a hairpiece at one time or another, am I right? Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, you just slip uh, an old Motorola razor into somebody's weave, and you're good to track them. Yeah. They'll never know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Motorola razor. <laughs> well, they're flat, you know, so they, I mean, they blend in with, I don't know, the hair? Hair's flat, right? I'm just saying, saying Motorola razor at all really does show your age. <laughs> I'm right. Yeah, there's a new razor out. (laughs) It folds. It's very popular. (laughs) Women love it. Uh huh. Uh huh. I get all kinds of mad pussy from my Motorola (laughs) razor too that folds. Any other tidbits from 2002? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that phone was from like 2005. It might be. All right, children. Papa's driving the car here, so... Hey, don't get mad at me. Ken's the one who, you know, went off on you being an old man for, you know, <laughs> idolizing... The on the racer. promenade! Jake is, pre- Jake is pretending to write on his pad uh, using a, a Sharpie. <laughs> I, he does not understand how uh, pads work. No, it's fine. He's got an iPad with one of those, like, Apple Pencil things. Oh, no, because this is just a sticker put on a piece of cardboard. Look, whose side are you on here? Because I really I'm can't tell. The muse shows up and begins to stalk him in the cafe. That's one way to put it. <laughs> and she starts talking about how much Cardassian architecture turns her on. And how he's banging the architect of DS9 that she got to really come out of his shell and just really just go for it and get all those weird angles up in there. Which of these plots did you choose this episode for? (laughs) The other one. Okay. (laughs) Pregnancy, Ken. Pregnancy. It's what I did to your mom last night. (laughs) That would be impressive. Because she was so turned on by your Motorola Razor, got it? Yes. (laughs) 
I, I just explained that a minute ago. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm making the connection here. <laughs> the lesson is sinking in. Continue. Well, the muse continues to seduce Jake through her promises of art. And Jake, being an idiot, uh, falls for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Like, not even questioning. I really feel that Cisco should have better prepped Jake for psychotic alien women with psionic powers. You yeah, would... that's like that's like that's like a common problem in their universe. <laughs> you would think, yeah. Like I imagine there's probably like a whole Starfleet primer on this kind of thing. This exact subject. But since Jake didn't go through Starfleet training, you know. If you can't we will now go alien will... species, do not put your penis in it. We will now go over the Kirk doctrines. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, later on, Jake's in his quarters with his dad, and he's running his Harry Potter wand over the, the pad. <laughs> Doing absolutely nothing with it. It's like, yeah, I wrote these words. Mm-hmm, that certainly was me. Uh, Cisco walks in and reminds Jake that he should be getting ready for their adventure in the Bajoran Outback. Space Australia. Yes, based Australia. I, I'm trying to picture what the Bajoran Outback would be, since Bajor's kind of a shithole already. <laughs> well, you know. Bajor counts like Italy if Italy was dried out. Like a, a raisin version of Italy. <laughs> I'm imagining stone spires poking out of the ground. A lot of the space kangaroos. Now, what would a Bajoran kangaroo look like? I mean... Ridges on his pouch. An earring, of course. On uh, its pouch, yeah. All Bajor wildlife should have the same stupid earring. <laughs> like koalas with it. I could see that, yeah. Also a koala with the ridge nose. Scorpions with it. Surprisingly easy to imagine. You know, actually, I bet that the Bajoran kangaroos were actually terrorists, too. No, you know what? The Bajoran so kangaroos. Like kangaroo sales. The Bajoran kangaroos wear the Bajoran scorpions as earrings. That's how badass oh, they are. Okay. Yeah. Just, just they just clip one claw on and then stick the stinger through the other end of the ear, and you know they're off to the races. Oh, I know. Bajoran kangaroos are the kangaroos from uh, Tank Girl. I don't recall. Oh well, they were anthropomorphic and that's Gloria Teddy. Oh. Sounds fun. With a giant kangaroo dick. Okay, I'm interested. I mean, what? It had Dr. Soren in it. Well, time is the fire in which we burn. So, uh... The Bajoran Outback can't be that bad, though, if they're going camping there. But is it like Starfleet camping, where it's like they just bring down a runabout and just sort of hover above the ground? Oh, I hope so. Also consider Cisco is crazy. No, no. Avery Brooks is crazy. Cisco is mildly eccentric. Cisco built <laughs> okay. a boat to fly through space. I love that episode. Cisco is crazy too. No, no. I, I mean that I mean that in the most lovely possible way. <laughs> because I wouldn't have him any other way. <laughs> no, he's he's just a little bit eccentric. Building boats and growing vegetables and, you know, other oddball things like that. Cooking. Yeah. He's a little anachronistic, but I blame that on his father more than anything. Well, his father is very old. 
He came from a different time. Yeah. It's yeah, a the totally TOS different era. Time. He came from the TOS era. They're completely failed replicators. <laughs> so, Jake tells his dad, no, I don't want to go on vacation with you. I want to sit here and stare at my phone for a while. Which is like the most current, relatable thing ever. Yeah. Ahead of its time. Yeah. Except it's, for him, it's, it, it's, it's he wants to stare at his book. Which is not so much. Well, Cisco's just like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to check out for the rest of the episode. See you in the, <laughs> the last 20. That's being generous. Yeah, it's more like the last 12. But, like, if Cisco was around for the whole episode, the, the story could not have happened. No, it would just be all Odo and... <laughs> I mean, you say that like it would be a bad thing. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. But you say it like it would. Yeah, so Cisco's gonna go bang Cassidy above the visual and outback. <laughs> I did like the part where he said he doesn't need help from Jake matchmaking him. It's like, no, I've got moves on my own. I've got a razor. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you Women see how bald it. his head is. <laughs> he doesn't have any hair. Where's he gonna put it? <laughs> so, down in Quark's bar... Wagzana is bringing us down, man. <laughs> so I feel like we keep picking episodes where Worf is just kind of standing around, but this one really. Well, the, this okay. is like the best Worf thing ever. <laughs> He's just sitting there. And the problem with season four, in terms of Worf involvement, is that a lot of scripts were like far enough along in you know being put together that Worf's addition to the cast came kind of late in the game. Yeah, but this is episode twenty. It doesn't, it's almost it doesn't, over. It doesn't mean that they wrote the script at that point. And I guess. I guess. Worf's chair here was written for O'Brien. <laughs> I mean, like, you can totally see that. That could be O'Brien or Bashir. Well, it, I mean, it's fine because it's not like Jetsy or Akira get to do anything in this episode either. No, no, they just set them out in their uh, King Arthur costumes again. Which I kind of love. We just see them walking around in them when they want something to be hilarious and stupid. Yeah, yeah. We we never actually go visit that hollow program. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like um O'Brien and Bashir's uh Battle of Britain or Alamo programs. Yeah. <laughs> the only one of those stupid programs we actually see the inside of is the uh James Bond ripoff. So Cork is complaining that ever since Logzana showed up, um uh, the bar got sad. Yes, he, he wants Odo to come and arrest her for making people sad. <laughs> like, I, I might well, be summarizing the events here, but that's literally what he's asking for. Yeah. He probably dialed 911, too. <laughs> Is that the Bajoran emergency number, 9112? Yeah, well, because the, the 9 looks like an earring. Ah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. So Quark says... uh Get her out of here, or I'm kicking her out. And Odo doesn't want her to feel bad, so he, he invites her on a walk. I don't think Quark is capable of kicking her out. <laughs> no. He would try, she would get angry, and start pummeling him atop the head. I, I don't think she would get angry. She's just like, no, I'm not leaving. Ha 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 ha. You silly boy. I'll call security. And then she would you know, call Odo over. Uh-huh. Yeah, she would just log on her way out of that. So Odo goes over to, you know, remove her peacefully and is like, 
I thought you might like to take a walk, and then Worf gets his one line for this episode. I Literally. <laughs> his deadpan delivery of I want to walk to, or whatever it was that the exact line was, is amazing. His exact line is, I would. Yeah. <laughs> Worf literally gets two words in this episode. Contractually obligated dialogue. Yeah. No, I, I just like this concept here where, like, Lockdown is obviously sat down while both of those groups, Worf being his own group by himself, obviously, but, like, him and Dax and Kira were obviously waiting for their Suite time, and she just sat down and started talking to them and completely ruined their days. Yeah. Fatasoid <laughs> mood aura. Well, no, that was um, that was the plot of her previous appearance in Deep Space Nine too. That like part of her ongoing Betazoid menopause is uh, becoming projectively empathic. Yep. Well, she takes Odo up on his lovely walk through the alleys of DS Nine. <laughs> Here's where the rats live. Please, they're called voles. Here's where the self-stealing sim bolts are kept. The self-stealing sim bolts, yes. Yes. <laughs> Look, I get tongue-tied when I'm not drinking. They keep Odo busy to no end, always stealing themselves. Well, they make it back to Odo's quarters, which are conveniently across the hallway from hers. I don't know who set that up, but it seems planned. Well, I'm sure she asked yeah. for that so that she could feel more safe while she's hiding out. Yeah. And she invites herself in for some tea because her replicator's not working, tee-hee. I mean, on that station, it's believable, and yet... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so they go into Odo's quarters, and uh, she is enamored with Odo's uh, jungle gym. <laughs> Come on, haven't you ever wished yep. that you had a jungle gym inside your house? Well, yes. So, often. Yeah, I mean, you can understand. Like, there's the monkey bars, and there's a slide. So she's enamored with his decor, and he's just kind of delighted that she, like, gets it. <laughs> this isn't furniture or art. This is shape-shifting things. But they don't change shape. Well, I mean, they're practicing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Odo has to shape-shift all over them to teach them how to shape-shift. It's very complicated. Sounds like a lot of science for me. Yeah. So, as with every pregnant woman in every television show ever, the baby kicks and she invites someone to feel it. Because there's no other way to demonstrate that she's pregnant other than talk about babies kicking and having people touch it. Yes. Yeah. Well... If Star Trek wasn't so afraid of bathrooms, they could have her need to go pee every two minutes. But maybe that doesn't happen to Betazoid women. They just kick. So uh, they have a nice little touching moment on the floor uh, where Odo realizes the miracle of life. Which, God bless Renee, his acting is wonderful. Yeah, of course. But then um, we get a really nice scene where she sort of just lays down to take a nap on him. And he shapeshifts his arms into a pillow and blanket, uh -huh. which is kind of cool. <laughs> yes, Odo's forgotten what it's like to have a friend. The question is, though, is Odo's blanket wet because of the shapeshifting goo? Is he a wet blanket? I, 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 I mean, he is, but I probably assume, not the way you're suggesting. I always assume once it took form, it was solid and not wet. 
Well, that's a good question, too. Like, Odo is a fluid, but does he feel wet to the touch when he's in that state? Or is it like a dry goo? Because, like, like, um, Ublek, the cornstarch slurry. Yeah. Like, under the right circumstances, that doesn't feel wet, even though it is a fluid of sorts. Or like magic sand. Well, that stuff just gets everywhere. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? The sand you put in water and it's wet, and the second you pull it out, it's dry instantly? Yeah. Okay. Gets everywhere. I wasn't aware if I was too old, and was the only one who knew that. Ken. What? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Meanwhile, at the brothel. Wait, what? uh, Jake is going to go visit the muse at her whore palace. She um, wow. she didn't really waste any time decorating, did she? No, it's just s- silk curtains and candles everywhere. This is I, a f- room. It's just if it was already like that. By her own making, but it wasn't just for Jake. This oh, looks like no. an early 90s Madonna video. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, when you're put in a room and there's a replicator that you can get like literally anything out of, of course you're gonna like, you know, tell it to start spitting curtains out. <laughs> it's like probably a handkerchief of a clown only has curtains out of a replicator. <laughs> like you wouldn't. Computer, curtains, green, hot, infinite. <laughs> no no. Curtains, green, hot, I'll tell you when. <laughs> Because every once in a while, we see, like, at least in terms of, um, like, glasses of liquid, the replicator can keep just filling it on the spot until it overflows. Why would you just tell a replicator to keep replicating the eggs until there's no more matter left? It will replicate eggs until there's no more matter left? Like, does it start, you know, flowing out the hallway, or is there, like, an emergency stop where it says, like, I'm cutting you off, you had enough eggs? Maybe there's a little opening in the back of the replicator uh, station uh, at where the overflow goes out of, like in a bathtub. Oh, or like a, a, a fountain soda machine. Yeah, same same principle. Okay. There's an emergency drain in the back of it that usually, you know, is shut and you don't notice until, like, something tries to overpower it. Like a bunch of eggs. Yeah. So the muse uh, attempts to woo Jake with a, a fancy ballpoint pen from outer space. It It writes upside down. Yeah, I was going to say, is it one of those zero-G astronaut pens? It is. (laughs) (laughs) And she gives them something even more exotic, something that nobody's ever seen before. Tracing paper. (laughs) (laughs) So you place this over a book and you copy the words and you say it's your own. (laughs) Plagiarism in the 24th century is surprisingly analog. So Jake is... Clearly mystified by an ink pen and paper. Yet somehow, he yes. knows how to write. Thank you. I was going to make that exact same point, because every time I've watched this episode, the same things popped into my head. Like, he is so, he says clearly, directly, I've never worked on paper before, but, like, he just can write in, like, semi-cursive. Per- yes, in perfect form. That's- and and, and, and as, as we have learned nowadays, writing on a uh, touchscreen is not the same. No. He doesn't have handwriting, he has a font. Yeah? <laughs> I don't know how he does that. <laughs> He's a natural. I guess. I 
like to me it's more surprising that on earth they even teach handwriting it's kind of surprising now that they do actually well and that's why i think it's even more surprising that in the future of star trek they do i mean sure like teach the form to do like you know block printing or whatever but you know cursive handwriting why is anybody gonna need that just teach them to write in binary I mean, it seems like some characters can read binary just casually, so sure. So she wants him to learn visceral writing, where he takes whatever bad ideas he has in his head about his novel and just writes on the paper with no thought process or editing. Well, I thought the I thought the visceral part was just like the feeling of the pen and the paper as he's going through this stream of consciousness process. In fairness, the lack of editing will come up later. <laughs> well, yeah, but we're talking about the the writing in the episode, not the writing of the episode, Ken. not quite what i meant but okay (laughs) so the muse just keeps hovering over his shoulder giving him you know neck rubs and tell him just don't censor it write whatever comes out of your mind oh and and one thing we did gloss over here is that toward the beginning of this sequence she does basically just fly out tell him no i'm not going to you you're going to write but I'm going to get you so horny that you're going to write the most erotic novel ever written. And then your dad's going to read it. Well, you know, if you're going to be a writer, you can't have any shame left. Well, that's true. You're going to be pretty embarrassed to sink that low. Yeah. But then she starts caressing us for Raymond Magnum. On TV? And Jake just keeps writing. Over and over and over as she rubs sand into his head and then... Actually, looks at I, think, it longingly. I, I think she's rubbing sand out of his head. Oh, okay. I'm not sure how that works exactly <laughs> or why the sand was in there in the first place, but... This is such a weird scene and that it's obviously implied to be sensual and erotic. Yeah. But it's also off-putting and unsettling and also stupid. <laughs> see, like no, well, all three of these two, things in well, equal parts... Two yeah, out of see, three of that... Two out of three, that was probably intentional. Right, that's the thing. Like, you know, when you were at part one and part two there, that's like an, an intentional juxtaposition. When you had that third one, it's just like, oh, they kind of just, they kind of bungled this one, didn't they? <laughs> uh, oh, well. Now, I, I did do some reading on this episode, as I typically do when I'm watching these episodes on repeat. Um, And, like, the producer or director... Uh, has gone on record saying this episode was a mistake. I wish it didn't exist. <laughs> so perfect Excellent. for this show, apparently. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the territory we strive to play in. What was his reasoning? I'm sure I can guess. But... I don't. I don't think he gave like a specific reason. He just was really unhappy with what they produced. Well, I can't blame him. No, no. Now the 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 Odo and Troy thing, like. If you took that and put it on some other episode, that would be perfectly fine. It's would actually it per- regrettable that it's, like, bundled in with this. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it it's a real testament to the fact that these plots are completely disconnected. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. And it's not like Up the Long Lighter where the plots are disconnected, but they found some way to, like, mash them together for the most part. They're no, not this even is... Trying. This is two separate episodes. Yeah, in the <laughs> same in the same forty two minutes. Well, back at Odo's, they're playing a wonderful game of hide and seek. I mean, and she's got a new wig. Yeah, <laughs> she always has a new wig. 
Hide Got a brand new hide, razor in it. Hide, <laughs> hide and seek with a shapeshifter, though, at least sounds like it'd be generally more fun than normal hide and seek. Well, until Odo cheats. Yes, yes. I, I'm not. No, I was one molecule thin over the entire room. <laughs> I wish he would have formed himself up from the entire area of the room instead of just the jungle gym. The jungle gym that's there for shapeshifting. Or, or if he would have oozed out of her hair. <laughs> I was your wig all along. Yes. Razor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been perfect. <laughs> all right, but the alarm goes off because, uh-oh, Troy's husband is here. How did that happen? Who could have expected this? Better, better double-check those wigs. So Odo summons him to his office and does the typical chair turnaround when he enters the room. And what is this guy wearing? It looks like someone wrapped a carpet around him. <laughs> it's not like he's the first, you know, one-off character to be dressed in a carpet. <laughs> That's not an excuse. Just because other people had terrible fashion does not make his fashion any less a mistake under the eyes of God. And then if you if you think to the Packwood, they're basically wearing drop cloths. Well, but they look for things. Things to help them go. Uh, I could recommend some fiber. Oh yeah, Metamucil's great. <laughs> <laughs> like dropping a pebble down a slide at the playground. Okay, what do I take to have it where it's like dropping a penny in one of those spiral things that they used to have in the grocery stores? Because <laughs> that's a lot more fun. Oh, man, life calls now. <laughs> Aren't you glad you know me? Becoming more so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this thing boils down to if, like, I'm here for my baby, it's legally mine, and Odo's like, uh-uh, not if I'm the father. Because I'm going to marry Logzana. Out from under for, you. For, for a second there, I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Until he got to the end of it, I was like, oh, okay. This this culture that they uh, barely like develop or touch on at all is uh, certainly interesting, where the, the wife and the children become the husband's property, and... At the same time, though, like, someone can just steal someone's wife by marrying them more convincingly. It's like a daytime game show rule. <laughs> she really did not do her research. No, I don't think she did. Uh, Odo comes in to steal. But as He's usual... Got a, got a as whammy usual, card. Yeah, as usual, Odo is completely prepared for this whole thing. He's got his pad and everything. I've been planning to outsmart you while you were still on your home planet. <laughs> Odo would be great in an Ace Attorney game. <laughs> Objection. <laughs> no, I can't object to that. Overruled. Thank you. Okay, so Odo, smug with confidence, comes back to tell Troy that, well, I solved your problem. I'll just marry you. <laughs> and she's like, oh, oh, honey, honey, honey. <laughs> no. You have to convince him that you actually want to marry me. Yeah, she she wasn't, like, too against this idea up until the point Odo said that uh, the current husband was staying around for the ceremony. Yeah. Because anyone who objects cancels the wedding. 
Which, God, that'd be so awesome if that's how it works in real life. <laughs> Does I anyone mean, object to this union? Yeah, I do. You're not married now, bitch. I mean, they always Walk ask out. that question, but, like, they never take the answer seriously. Yeah, well, what if the answer was, was binding? I guess I guess that's like how the culture manages to like keep marriages together for any length of time. Yeah. The the, the more I think about this culture, the more dystopian it sounds. Sometimes there's no divorce. There's just a replacement marriage. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Once you're married, you have to be married for the rest of your life. But they aren't really particular who you're married to from that point on. Once your husband dies. Hmm. Yeah, see, we didn't really, like, get into that eventuality. I'm sure they have some kind of horrible system in place for that, like, you know, if the husband dies under mysterious circumstances and the wife can't, like, prove her innocence, she's just assumed to have killed him and then put to death or something. Yeah. You know, it seems like this is the perfect culture for Luxana to attach herself to on a whim. Like, it sounds like, yeah, that's a culture she would have married into without thinking it through. You could say that for almost anything, though. The worst possible scenario. <laughs> so we get a brief scene back at Jake's of them still doing their horny writing sessions. Jake starts dripping on the paper. Gross. <laughs> uh, but now it's time for the beautiful ceremony. Where everyone's just... The whole crew is there, basically going, What? <laughs> I kind of appreciate that in a way. Yeah, why are we here? What's happening? <laughs> Odo, getting married. In a velvet dress. <sighs> or is it corduroy? It, that's not fucking corduroy. That's what it is. It makes the zip noises when he walks a bit. <laughs> I thought it was just the blinds. The drapes. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's actually a drape shortage right now. They've all been diverted to this one room. <laughs> Replicator can't make anymore. <laughs> they They're allotted take... so much replicator space for curtains, and <laughs> someone's not being fair and thinking of others. So, like, if it was a starship, they would just divert power from the warp core to replicate more curtains. But right. since they don't have a warp core on Deep Space Nine, they can't spare that much power, so curtain shortage. Because <laughs> Deep Space Nine is a piece of shit. <laughs> Deep Space Nine doesn't have a warp drive. It doesn't need an antimatter reactor, okay? <laughs> It just has a bunch of Bajoran kangaroos on bicycles down there in the core. <laughs> Don't fuck with it, though. Please. <laughs> if you value your life. So Odo delivers his marriage speech. Um, and it's it's so romantic. I like Loxana because she's pretty and nice. Will you marry me? I will give them points for uh, casting Michael and Sara for the uh, alien husband role, because just, like, he can deliver any line and just be, like, completely demanding of your attention. Oh, is he somebody? I mean, not, like, super somebody, but, like, he's been around. Uh, He was uh, Kang. Oh, Klingon Kang. Yeah. My mind went to Marvel King for some reason. Like, so I did I. I was, like, I was, was trying to ah, think who well. played him in Earth Mightiest Heroes. Was it that? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Ansara might have been dead by that point. Anyway, he's like, uh, uh, no, I don't believe that shit. She's still my wife. Then Odo thinks on his feet and delivers real emotions. 
and it's a slam dunk. He's got logs on his uterus wet for his changeling dick now. <laughs> or something romantic, I don't know. <laughs> sure. I'm trying to think of my feet here, and it's difficult. The Loxana wants his Motorola razor all up in her wig. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's much more clever. I should have said that. <laughs> Look, I'm not always great. Yeah, I know. The fuck you do. <laughs> anyway. Hooray, it's convincing and romantic. And Loxana's uh, dick husband basically gives up and says, Okay, fine, you can have her. I'm going to stop trying. Even though I could just say I don't believe it and cancel it anyway, but... Well, that would violate the honor of his people or something, I imagine. I don't know. So he takes his carpet, his ass, back to the door and leaves or After something. After asking Loxana, like, okay, when you when you tell our son about his father, like, maybe leave out how shitty I was. <laughs> uh-huh, sure, I'll do that. But darling, then what will I tell him at all? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Major Barrett made a good genie. Like, I dream of genie. Yeah, maybe. She has the same kind of vibe as, uh, what's her name, the, the mom of that show. Michael and Sarah um, had a role in I Dream of Genie also. Well. For just... at least one episode. Well, you know a lot about this guy. I watched a lot of old TV shows. Oh. <laughs> well, I watched a lot of Dick and Die too, but I don't remember any of it. Yeah, well, we're different kinds of nerds. Apparently you retain things. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I barely retain sentences sometimes. You made it through that one, though, so congratulations. I was trying very hard. I could tell. I heard the strain in your voice. You oh, might, need, I, you might I, need a little bit more Metamucil. Some people can barely retain words, so I understand. Yeah, I guess Ken doesn't really need Metamucil in his life. No, I have ADHD. <laughs> okay, so back at the E plot of <laughs> Jake the book. Wouldn't that make it the F plot? You'd think so, but that's how stupid this is. So they didn't get the letter right. <laughs> so Jake wants to keep writing, but she's like, uh, no, you're a little wilted there. Maybe you should get some rest. <laughs> And I, I give them props for the makeup they put on Jake to make him look like death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that typically worked out better than any time they would try to make someone up to make them look old. Although, you gotta give them points, though, like, uh, for Pulaski, uh, the makeup they were applying to make her look young. Yeah. Because we saw the episode where they took the makeup off, but that was very impressive, the work they managed to get done. Yeah. So Jake wanders down the promenade, passes out, Bashir finds him and hooks doodads to his forehead. And Bashir gets a couple of contract required lines. <laughs> Cisco comes back from B his Bajoran outback vacation. Um, scraps of Bajoran kangaroo for adorning his back as a cape. <laughs> Cisco sure does love Bajor. Cassidy in a bikini hanging off of his arms. <laughs> Like Leia on the Star Wars poster. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Bashir fills Cisco in like, uh, his brain's gone horny. It's so horny that he might die. <laughs> Look, you can tell that there's psychic horny that's been attacking him. Well, let's go leave him unattended for a while. 
No, no, they um they left Patricia Tallman to watch over him. Um, regular, well, recurring uh, Star Trek stunt performer. So anytime she shows up, you know somebody's getting their ass handed to them. <laughs> As a stunt performer, that might just be her. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Because every time she's appeared, she's gotten like backhanded or exploded or something. Yeah, speaking of, the muse shows up and bitch slaps her straight to the ground. Yeah, which is kind of awesome. Out of the way, you. Patricia Tallman had a much more important role in Babylon 5 for the couple of years she was there. Didn't typically involve getting like backhanded or blown up. Well, that must have been nice for her. Yeah, probably. <laughs> also, I love the Bajoran medical uniform because it's so hideous. Oh, it really, really is. So, like, <laughs> most of the Bajoran uniforms are really ugly. Yes. And, like, structurally they're ugly it's not even like down to the colors the only one that i think actually looks kind of okay is the um the like uh regular military uniforms which are the two-tone gray ones i think the kira refit uniform where they adjusted the sleeve line and had like the leather sleeves or whatever my problem with that though is that like it doesn't look like she's wearing a uniform anymore I always have a problem with that when they, like, customize a uniform design for one character, because then, like, it stops being a uniform. Okay, I see that, yeah. Because um, we didn't see that design on anyone else ever. Exactly. Um, one thing I've thought over the years is, like, they probably should have conceptualized the Bajoran uniform design a little bit differently to start with, where the odd, like, shoulder panel things would have actually been, like, a small jacket that was worn as a standard part of the uniform. So, like, then at some point as they progress through, they could have Kira just, like, not wearing that part of the uniform, but the rest of what she's wearing is still standard Bajoran uniform. Like, you know, yeah. uh, it would look less stupid for one thing, because there'd be a reason for the layered look that it has in the two-tone thing, too. But it would still be uh, reasonably customizable. I think the problem with Bajoran uniforms in general is they tried to make them too much look similar to Starfleet uniforms. But, like, from uh, they're the color coded. Yeah, there's color coding, and then there's the the, the broad uh, swashes of color divided up into sections. It's just like a bad take of a Starfleet uniform. Yeah, I think and I think they I should have left off the color coding. I don't feel that the Bajoran uniform would have looked like that. It should have been a lot more utilitarian. Yeah, at least and, for like the first year. Yeah. Um, like the um. The kind of standard method of dress that they had for the Maquis, you know, work in somewhere in that area for the first year of Bajoran uniforms. And then between season one and season two, you can change the costuming and introduce a more standardized Bajoran military uniform because, like, you know, they are pretty close to having their government settled down and things actually kind of like forming into a cohesive unit now. You and can actually trying start to get away from the visuals of being a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> No, I mean, I I understand how they approach this from a visual design language thing. From a storytelling perspective, it doesn't really work that well. Yeah, I agree. And also, they're ugly. Yeah, except, again, for those, like, two-tone gray ones. Which you sadly don't see very often. I also don't know what the distinction is. So, like, the, the two-tone brown ones are for, like, security and police forces. Mm-hmm. 
Kira has a red one. You see red ones on a few other people. And, uh, you know, that's apparently also, like, direct military uh, uniform. But, like, you also see, like, colonels, but also, like, captains and lieutenants. Captains in the, like, Air Force sense with those gray uniforms. So it's not even like it's a, a staff officer thing. It's really unclear, like, okay, what do you do to get a gray uniform as opposed to a red uniform? Eh? Exactly. And, you know, you apparently have to, like, go to, like, special trouble to get the ugliest uniform of all, the, the uh, Bajoran medical uniform. Although, like, I just wonder what Bajoran medical school is actually like. It's all triage. <laughs> They're really good at bandaging things. It's all about knowing which household chemicals you can use to sterilize uh, knives, like no steak knives for, you know, surgery. Knowing where to get a good, strong stick. <laughs> which sand cleans wounds the best? <laughs> okay, now if you, if you pee on this kind of wound, you're going to give them an infection. But if you pee on this kind of wound, you'll sterilize it. No, don't get the two mixed up. Okay, where were we? I, um, Patricia Tallman getting backhanded into a console or something. That's right. The Muse shows up, she, she backhands her way through uh, the doctors, and just sort of carries Jake away. Somehow. Like, she kind of, she kind of teleports or phases into the room or something. Like, I just wonder if she has to carry him out the front door, in which case, like, nobody noticed her manhandling him out the front door like that? Or was she able to, like, you know, whisk him away the same way she came in? Well, the problem is a busy place. People don't have time to be worrying about other people, like broads carrying people out of sick bay. At the same time, though, like, they end up finding the two of them in a Jeffrey's tube somewhere. So, like, did she drag him through the Jeffrey's tubes, or...? <laughs> That's the scene I want to see. Yeah, there's, there's, like, some logistics issues that I kind of like to get resolved. I do kind of like that she didn't just take him back to her quarters. It would be the dumbest thing possible. <laughs> and, like, they totally would have done that in another episode of Star Trek. Yeah, probably so. But she absconds with the boy, and Cisco tracks her down using a tricorder set to psychic bitch setting. <laughs> well, energy is energy, whether generated by science or magic or psychic phenomenon, apparently. Look, they only had they only had ten minutes for his his plot in this episode. Anyway, thanks for that <laughs> bit of conceptual storytelling, gargoyles. <laughs> so, Cisco attempts to monologue her to death, <laughs> and he is a Starfleet captain after all. Yeah, it, you, look at about seventy five percent of the time, this usually works. Yeah, <laughs> her response is, "Oh, your son was the youngest one I've ever banged." Like, eh. Eh. <laughs> so then he just tries to shoot her, and she's like, uh, no, bye. I'll go rape somewhere else. It's kind of an odd resolution to the episode. It's yeah, a it... very unsatisfying resolution. It's like, okay, well, fine. I'll just go somewhere else and do what I do to someone else. Bye. It, it's, into... it's, no justice. It's, it's like um, Murderous Piglet. Except that they don't actually, like, defeat the evil entity. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, it's basically the same thing. That episode was so good. <laughs> it was so weird. 
It's weirdness just kept getting weirder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, that episode, um, Crusher with the, the ghost and the candle, and then this all feel like they're kind of like a, a package deal together. Ooh, I'd buy that DVD set. <laughs> Weird Space Goats, the collection. I mean, to Cisco's credit, he does try to shoot her just too late. Is it too late, though, or is it just that it never would have been effective in the first place? It's yeah, probably she, that. She totally takes it, and she's like, eh. Because it seems like she is some kind of an energy entity that is just, you know, coalesced into a physical form in order to pull the sand out of Jake's head. That's two energy entity episodes we've done since we've been back. <laughs> yes, and both of them have involved pregnancy. That's how you know this is fated to happen. Yes. Now, I, the, now the synergy of episodes. Now I'm just thinking back to the the the, the, the start of that second episode of Lower Decks. <laughs> the energy <laughs> being. Yes. All right, so let's wrap this shit up here. Lozana <laughs> comes back to Odo's chair, which he turns around again in because his one acting move. Uh, I but he's my so phone good at it. <laughs> okay. And she's excited to tell him that I'm leaving. Bye. Oh. And Odo is sad. Because he was happy being married to her. Her response is, yeah, no, it wouldn't last. They'd run out of scripts for me pretty quickly. (laughs) I'm too old to do this shit every week. But yeah, they have the whole thing where, like, in the process of this, Odo just kind of become enamored with the idea of her being around. Rather than actually, like, being in love with her. And, well, you know, that's all well and good. It's going to get kind of frustrating for her after a little while. Odo just doesn't want to be lonely. This this just seems like a Luxana cop-out of, like, well, time to go. (laughs) Bored of you. The writers ran out of ideas for scenes. Oh, well, I think think this whole episode is proof of that. (laughs) We're just done. So to wrap up the E plot here, uh, Cisco walks into the room carrying Jake's manuscript, his manifesto. Shits on his writing. Um, well, or spelling, well, I should yeah, say. his spelling more than writing itself. <laughs> two things, Jake. Your spelling sucks. This novel is far too horny for someone your age. God, I liked that. Why don't you write about baseball? <laughs> Well, that you know, is that is the um, that is the solution to horniness, right? Thinking of baseball. Yeah, just think of Buck Bokai getting a rock down after a game. <laughs> I I do like the detail of just like specifically calling out that Jake's spelling is terrible, because like if you think about it, they're writing on pads and stuff all the time. That's got to have like autocorrect and everything on there, so. Uh-huh. The human skill of spelling is probably not all that well developed at this point in society. It's going to be funny, though, if, like, Jake's spelling is fine. It's just that Cisco can't read cursive because he never learned. Hmm. Well, you should have a Q here. This is the, clearly the number two. And why are you putting M's where your N's should be? But he gives Jake encouragement saying, yes, keep writing. Even though the, the horny bitch made you write it, it was your words. I mean, I appreciate that perspective on it. Like, you know, the sand had to be in his head somewhere for her to pull it out, so... But it's also saying, you know, you could have cleaned your room anytime you want, but it was the cocaine that made you do it. <laughs> yes? What's wrong with that? 
just need a little incentive. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just need something to help with that motivation, man. So Jake's book is named Anselm. Yeah. Is that what the name of his book was in that one episode where he became a writer? In The Visitor, yeah. Yeah, so it's the same book? Yeah. Okay, that's neat. So the suggestion there is that one way or another he would have written that book anyway, and that's supposed to support what uh, Ben is telling him, that, yeah, this is your work, even if she accelerated it out of your head. Like sand through an hourglass. These are the, the days of our lives. I was gonna say these are the words of your lives, but yeah, <laughs> same same direction. Now who's old? I never said I wasn't. Uh, Ken Ken's the one who's uh, ragging on our ages here. <laughs> I thought the Motorola Razor was a damn sexy phone in its time. It's I would have gladly it's... had one. It has buttons. It's so it... And it, it folds <laughs> closed, so the screen is protected, and you can't butt dial it. And like well, I can't do that anyway. I have, I have a, I have a, I have a closed razor. What about the closed razor? Ken was talking over you. It's a satisfying click. Oh yes. And they're shaped like an upside down tricorder. I find. Oh yeah, actually. <laughs> no, I find most flip phones like that have a like satisfying clunk or click when you close them. It's it's part of what makes them so appealing. Yes. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I like my smartphone for the the ability to, like, do a lot of things no matter where I am, pretty much. And, like, that experience would be way worse if I was trying to do all the inputs on a keypad on a smaller screen, half the size, but, like, I so wish I could have a flip phone still. I miss that so much. Well, do they make them for old yeah, people? The Razor's a flip phone. <laughs> and you can keep it in your weave. <laughs> or you can buy it, or you, you, you know, you buy yourself a tre- cheap track track phone. <laughs> I mean, I have track phone service. I just have it on a real phone. I just have track. <laughs> a real phone. But um, I think they still somebody they still make some flip phones. Yeah, there's Android flip phones. They're just like few and far between, and generally are not considered to be a good user experience. Mm. You want the functionality of a smartphone. But with a flip phone. What I need is that um, Bluetooth Star Trek communicator. <laughs> the the TOS one, not the combat one. The combat one apparently sucks. It, it was like two inches thick. Well, and it just also didn't work very well. But the the, oh. the TOS communicator one, like you know, you can like make and take phone calls on that. And yeah, but who does that? point, but just, like, between the two things, like, you could have that that uh, same kind of, like, flip it open, flip it close thing. Yeah. Something that's still sort of a functional thing, even though it's stupid and impractical, but I also still kind of want one. Also, they're just nice replicas. That too, yeah. I want them to do, like, a Bluetooth tricorder like that. I don't know what it would actually do. I think, I think what I would have it be is just, like, smartwatch guts in a tricorder shell and have it interact with the phone in the same way that does. So it'd be like completely practically useless, but it'd be a fun thing to have. I don't really understand how tricorders work because there's very little sense to any of the buttons or displays on them. Well, I think it's supposed to be the uh, the L-Cars philosophy where like, you know, the display can be configured to be whatever it needs to be. And while the buttons are mostly uh, analog, like, you know, you can assign them to whatever function as needed. Analog. 
But th- there's not even really a screen on them, is there? Though. Well, there's a tiny little screen. I didn't look at this shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess there is. I yeah. Being all buttons. Now the um, original series tricorder strikes me as more impractical in that sense because it has a screen also, but it seems like much smaller in proportion to the rest of it, and there's also like less input surfaces. Why have they not re-released a good next generation tricorder toy? I don't know. But I'm also still waiting for them to make a toy of the um, Season 1, Season 2 Type 2 phaser. The Dustbuster one. I feel like that'd be a longer wait. Sadly, probably. Yeah, apparently there's just not much call for, you know, tricorder replicas. There is um one that's at like half scale that you can get on Amazon for pretty cheap, which is decent looking, but is also half scale. Yeah, it's like what the f*** is, it's a tricorder for ants. <laughs> <laughs> well, more like a tricorder for, like, children, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I want there to be, like, just, you know, a resurgence of prop replica style Star Trek toys. Maybe the the Halloween store will start putting some stuff out, like the Dead for Ghostbusters. <sighs> yeah, but that stuff's junky. It is, but it looks well enough from a distance. I guess. But I want to push buttons and have like lights and sounds happen, at, for well, and for it to not catch on that. fire. Ah, uh, well, that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, you gotta let me finish. <laughs> I have okay, so I got a medical tricorder. Um, sadly, one of the hinges is partly broken, but it still like holds together. It just has a kind of gummy feel because of it. So I've got the medical tricorder. I have a scientific tricorder, although like a lot of the um the factory paint has rubbed off of it over the years. Um, I got the first version Type 2 phaser that they put out. The electronics haven't worked in that in years. Um, much later on, I got the phaser toy from, I think it was sold during Insurrection, but the same like sculpt as the one they released for First Contact, which is a little bit more screen accurate to the time and uh, doesn't have so many superfluous stickers that don't match on-screen details. Ah. Like, I, I got a little assortment here, but I would, I would like newer, nicer ones. These just aren't as shiny. I I feel like there probably is, like, a collector's market for this, though. Especially with what some of this roleplay stuff goes for um on eBay at this point. It's a market waiting oh. to be tapped. Here's a next-generation Mark VI tricorder resin replica for $600. Is it is it built? Um, I think so. Well, that's why it's six hundred dollars. Like you could, you could get the kit version of that for much less. It looks kind of junky. Well, yeah, but if you tried to put the resin kit together yourself, it'd probably look much worse. Not if I did it. Okay, maybe not you, but like normal people. Ken, I'm for normal. Example. Oh yeah, Ken. Yeah. No, no, no. Ken would just hurt himself. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of the later stuff, there's not really good options unless you want one of those like resin kits that somebody kind of homebrewed themselves and then started selling. Do you remember the uh, Playmates communicator toy? Yeah, the the next generation one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the size of a sandwich, basically. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, it totally was. I um, So I owned that, too, from uh, when the toy line was new. Because, like, I was buying everything then. Um, 
Yeah, that was uh, that was a big clunky thing, and like theoretically, you could clip it onto a shirt, but it would also like you know drag your shirt down because it was so damn heavy. <laughs> they didn't really think that one through very well, and it's just like as miniature as electronics are now, like that thing could be a quarter of the size it was in 1992, and still do the exact same thing. They should have just you know waited 15 years to release it. It yeah. would still been relevant, right? Sure. Trek's very relevant right now. What bug B2? I never bought one of these. Uh, the um, Playmates Type 1 Phaser always struck me as being insanely too big. I've got the Gloob Type 1 Phaser somewhere. That one's smaller, although it's less screen accurate, too. Yeah. There used to be, on eBay, commonly um, a Keychain Type 1 Phaser, which was pretty screen accurate and for my estimate, probably about the right size. Sadly, I never got around to getting one. I guess this has just become like a list of our regrets of Star Trek merchandise that doesn't exist. Yeah. Why can't we buy more useless crap? Uh, do you remember when we went to that, uh, I think it was the last time I was there, that toy store near you, that secondhand toy store, and I pointed yeah. out the uh, Star Trek Six phaser pistol that he wanted like $80 for? Yeah. I wish I would have had the $80. <laughs> Those things are hard to find, and they are expensive. Like he was not—he was not nuts with his pricing on that. Sadly, his pricing was either fair or low. For the for the most part, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I rarely saw something there I felt was overpriced for how desirable it was. Yeah, no that that seems that seems about accurate from what I remember. I just wish I would have had the eighty dollars for that phaser. <laughs> Sadly, that place closed down. You know, I am not surprised at all to have you tell me that. Did it close down before or after COVID? Uh, after, but I know before he was talking about closing it because his wife wanted to go back to his real job. Ah. So it was probably just a... Apparently they, happen, but it might have happened faster. They both had very well-paying jobs, and they thought they could get by on just one. Well, they, they could get by on just one. Fine. Uh-huh. Because he just wanted to do this for fun. Uh like, apparently she just got tired of it. Well, she probably expected him to get tired of it faster than he did, and so... Probably, yeah. Yeah. Or she thought, well, maybe this actually will bring in some decent money. But yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a shame, but not at all surprising. I wish I had sold more crap to him. <laughs> you know, you can probably call him and get some of it back. Probably all, like, sitting in his garage or something. No, I don't want it back. I want to unload more movie toys. <laughs> I'll take them, have... take them to McKay's. Sure, at least they'll be gone then. I won't get anything for them, but... Yeah. I mean, how many movie Voyager ratchets do I need, honestly? Zero? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I miss going to McKay's and looking for Star Trek figures. Yeah. And Our other McKay's things, but mostly the Star Trek figures. Our McKay's is open, but I won't go to it. I I think that's, you know, valid. Yeah. The McKay's in Nashville is probably open too, but I I don't want to go like rummaging around in there now. Yeah, I mean it was it seemed sketchy like a carnival eatery to begin with. Yeah, I would always want to wash my hands as soon as I could after getting done in there. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. But not in there because the water is probably dirty too. Oh, I don't think I ever actually set foot in the bathroom in McKay's. It's it's as clean as a gas station. That's kind of what I expected. 
Like, you know, you just, like, you go in a place and you kind of have a sense of some things. Among them is how clean their bathrooms are. And McKay's gives off a very gas station vibe in that regard. Oh, I know the perfect analogy. You know those traveling carnivals that set up shopping, shopping malls and Walmart parking lots? Yeah. McKay's is the bookstore equivalent of that. Except it's permanent. Right. It's permanent, and they put all the effort into the uh, laid brick parking lot outside. <laughs> For some reason. I don't understand why they did that. I mean, it's very attractive looking, but it certainly doesn't like match the aesthetic, does it? Yeah, the, the aesthetic of a steel warehouse. Yeah, yeah, I don't really, I don't really get that either. But yeah, I don't really want to. I don't really want to go poking around in the McKay's uh, this year, or any year, but especially this year. <laughs> well, other years I would risk it. it. It seems a little bit too dangerous now. Like that just seems like you're asking for it. I feel slightly uncomfortable going into Walgreens on a regular basis right now looking for Blue Streak. <laughs> well, at least Walgreens is a drugstore, so it's full of medicine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, naturally that will counteract any kind of pathogens in the air. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, you know, the solution to pathogens is anti-pathogens, and Walgreens is full of that. They They pump it into their air conditioning. Yeah. Why are resin kits for tricorders so fucking expensive? Well, are they are they built? No. Oh. There's one for eighty nine dollars, and it specifies this is a model kit that must be painted, no refunds. I assume it doesn't come with like an electronics package or anything. Let's see: two solid resin pieces, clear resin sensor pieces, hinges, hardware, laser graphics. That sounds exciting, though. <sighs> I mean, the, the, the number of different pieces might be part of it, and also the clear resin parts probably are adding to the cost, because, like, for that, you definitely need to uh, set it in a vacuum chamber to get the bubbles out. Mm. With opaque pieces, it's not usually as big of a deal, because most of the time the bubbles are going to be interior and you're not going to see them, and you don't expect there to be enough to, like, weaken the material. Uh, with the clear, though, you're going to see any bubble that forms during the curing process. So casting transparent resin parts uh, does take special processes. Your mom's special process. Yeah, but she's not full of bubbles. She's flat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her fizz ran out a long time ago. Her what ran out? Fizz. Oh. Not jizz. As in... Tell me your name and, uh, or what's your name and tell me that you love Fizz? I love all Fizz, except for Dixieland. Why not Dixieland? You can't gargle to it. <laughs> I'm glad you had an answer prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure where that was going to end up taking us, to be honest. Oh, well, speaking of taking us, where are we going next episode? We're traveling back in time to the beginning of Starfleet. Are the, we? Yes, to the, the the magical show of Enterprise. Oh. Now, I don't remember what the episode name is, but you know which episode we're watching. I'm afraid, I'm afraid I don't remember the title off the top of my head either. Oh, apparently it's called Unexpected. What season is this? One. Oh. It's like episode, episode five. I was going to say four, but okay. I'll make sure to take now, painkillers is, before we do that. Is that episode 
five accounting for Broken Bow being a two-part episode? Or... I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, according to the regular Wikipedia, it's episode five. According to Memory Alpha, it says episode 1X05. Production number 005. Yeah, but if Broken Bow was 001002. Ah, of 97 produced in Enterprise. The what? Fourth of ninety-seven produced in Enterprise. Okay, so it's fifth. It's fifth for like syndication purposes. Where Broken Bow would be presented as two episodes, is what I'm taking from that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I watched um the episode Brave New World, which was I think the first episode after Broken Bow, and I was pretty sure uh, Trips and Preg Adventure was not too far off from that. We're the only podcast bold enough to dedicate every episode to pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Only for about nine months, and then, you know, we'll deliver and we'll devote the next, like, 18 years to children episodes. As we gradually get older and more tired. Well, I don't have much farther to go, at least in terms of being tired. But you can always get older. Existence is so exhausting. Right, Ken? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's exhausting. Right? Yeah, you're right. Exhaustance. Exhaustance. That sounds right. Yeah. Exhaustance. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that, that definitely needs to be like a concept. That's 2020 in general. Yeah, exhaustance. <laughs> Just exhaustance. I ex- yeah, this is this is I'm our exhausted. equivalent of those German words that have like really specific meanings of feelings that we don't have a <laughs> word equivalent of. This is ours. Mm-hmm. I bet Shakespeare in the original German is an experience. <laughs> oh man, probably an angry experience, given how German sounds. Ugh. Hmm? We don't get a new lower decks this week. No, we get a new discovery. Oh yeah. I only wish I cared more about having a third season of that. It seems much less necessary now. Yeah, it didn't seem now necessary we... to me when they ended season two. And Florida Dex and that new sh- that other new show coming. Oh yeah, Janeway's coming back. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about um the other live action uh, all access the oh, third yes. one. Uh, Brave New Worlds. That's right, because there's also the, there's two there's, there's way more Star Trek shows on right going right now than I would have expected. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to Brave New Worlds. I I'm um hopefully optimistic you, about that. You can tell what really pushes CBS all access subscriptions. <laughs> yeah. The well, thing Prodigy, like is, Prodigy Brave, is Nickelodeon though, right? They listen to what people want to see and said, Okay, we figured out what you actually want now. <laughs> uh-huh. We're gonna give you what we should have given you for the first episode. Yeah. Um but I think Prodigy's Nickelodeon, right? Yes. So it'll never air and it'll be canceled. <laughs> I, I made a joke the other day that was Star Trek CompuServe. That was unfortunately accurate. Sci-Fi airs the Power Rangers movie, the recent one, more often than Nickelodeon airs Power Rangers. Anyway. <laughs> it's right. It's correct. Yeah, someone else made a joke I like better, which was that like, why isn't it Star Trek CompuServe? <laughs> Because I'm old. Well, it's actually, correct, cor- correction. If it's good, Nickelodeon won't air it. 
and and cancel it. If it's bad, they'll run it into the ground. If Netflix had it, it would last two to three seasons, and then they cancel it whether it's popular or not. Correct. Or all, possibly even if they've already greenlit another season. Uh huh. There's way too many examples of that. Netflix is a cancer. Uh huh. But we're all subscribed to it. I'm not. Well, you never have been. <laughs> you just have internet to subscribe to things. I mean, I can do Amazon Video just fine. It works a lot better for my internet than Netflix ever did. Huh. Yeah. So you Netflix, figure that one out. It, it, actually, actually, that's kind of easy to figure out because just like uh, with YouTube, like Amazon has the uh, hardware horsepower and all their server farms to transcode yeah. to basically any bit rate that it needs to. Yeah, like I, I don't have statistics on this, but Netflix has always felt like a bandwidth hog in our in my house, especially now that all of our TV is run through um, Google. <laughs> um, so YouTube TV will run fine, and then Netflix will be like, um, yeah, I mean, when when everything's running at the same time. So like for YouTube, like they've developed their own codec system. Google has. Yeah, that actually lets them send better quality video at a lower bit rate, um, and then which, of course they which, license that out to the major browsers so you can actually watch yeah. the YouTube stuff. Um, and I have to assume I think, Amazon think, probably either has access to that yeah. themselves or has an equivalent thing they've developed because it's Amazon, right? That it's, um, yeah, and to but to use that codec, you need a lot of hardware horsepower to actually do that encoding. But yeah, um, when. When all th- when all three TVs might be running YouTube TV, I don't have any problems. Yeah. When uh, sometimes on other other services, they'll get hung up, and I can tell. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the reason why Amazon has all this horsepower is they don't devote any of it to their app for their streaming service. Um, I don't really have any problem with the uh, Amazon Video app. Well, they don't—they don't devote any of it to their um, web interface on page. It, it, it might as well be organized by the Dewey Decimal System. Well, my, my favorite thing is the fact that all, uh, like Amazon movies don't have a place for extras, so they're all just piled into one long-running file, like it's a VHS. <laughs> I haven't had that experience yet. Load up a Marvel movie. I yeah, yeah. I have to watch a Marvel movie then. I'm kind of over that. At this point, <laughs> hey, oh, oh, COVID gave us a year break. Like someone, twenty twenty is great. I love it. Someone gave me their uh, digital code for um, Endgame, and I redeemed it, but I've never watched it. <laughs> Just like you know, this might be to my interest again at some point in the future, while this platform still exists. You know, I can comp- I can, I can understand being burnt out on it, but I still enjoy them. I mean, like, um. Can't, the important thing is that I stop you from enjoying them. That's my goal in life. Well, you failed at that goal. I'm sorry. Well, when you fall down, you just get up again. You get back on the horse. I'm sorry, I meant whores. <laughs> Ken wobbles, but he doesn't fall down. No, I've fallen quite a few times in the last year. Trust me. Was that hilarious? Uh, In retrospect, probably. I mean, if you—I well, think we talked about this. If you set it, it, it to the right music, it will be hilarious. Oh no, this wasn't at work. Yakety sax. I'm talking about since my surgery. 
And maybe like if you put a laugh track in key places so that people watching will know to think it's funny. And the laugh track can just play over me screaming instead. Yes. <laughs> no, this isn't the funny kind of falling. I'm calling it, you know, you're tripping over your own feet while carrying a, a carton of eggs or something. That's not the funny kind of <laughs> no, falling? I haven't, I haven't done that. But that's not the funny kind of falling? No, no that, that is, is the funny, funny kind of falling. Oh. He was not doing that. Oh. He was doing, like, medical grade screaming and pain falling, which isn't as funny. I mean, it'll still get a chuckle out of me, but, like, <laughs> I feel kind of bad if oh. somebody saw me. <laughs> yeah. Like when I was still in stitches trying to get up out of my bed and then I couldn't I had no balance and then just tumbled. Well that's the Did you, that's, did you spill a tray full of water? No. Uh-huh. That's, that's the beauty of TikTok though, because like you can watch someone having, you know, the medical grade falling and screaming and be able to laugh at that and nobody be there to judge you because you're watching it on your phone. That's true. Except everyone who's watching me through my phone. Yeah, but I mean, like, what don't they see? They're kind of numb at this point. Besides, I'm pretty sure that nobody's monitoring what we're doing anymore because they had to sit through, like, four or five years of superhero time. Uh-huh. And realize we're not worth it. That's generally what I what, what I hope on. They they just, they mark this as not important or threatening enough. We're not threatening in the ways that matter. We're like a threat to public decency and good taste, but that's about it. Yeah. Or the COVID of podcasts. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> New episodes of that one episode of Star Trek are made possible by the support of our excellent patrons. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash tfradio and help support the show. Plus, get early access two weeks before everyone else with new episodes releasing about twice per month. There's also an archive of over 100 classic that one episode of Star Trek episodes which you can listen to anytime. You'll find that at tfradio.net.